are on this little series about Mythbusters, um, and I would just like you to turn to your neighbour and uh, tell me, uh, tell your neighbour what category a tomato is for this side, uh, and what category uh, a washing machine is for this side. Go, find a friend, and what category is a tomato in or a washing machine? Find a friend or someone you don't like and ask them. Great, okay, shout out some answers for me uh, from the tomato side. First of all, what category is a tomato? Round. Fruit. Anything else? Red. Yeah. Yeah, yellow, okay, yellow. Yes, okay. And whatever I said this side, washing machine? Appliances, white goods. Useful, it's in the useful category. Yeah, excellent. Good, 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 good. Um, we, we drove back the other night um, from, uh, last night, from London. And um, on the way back, I was like, Meg, um, why, is the, why is Google Maps telling me to go to Oxford? This is not right. We should be coming out of London on the M4. It's not a complicated route. We were just like 10 meters beside, at, and, and the sat-nav's going, no, go to Oxford. Go. And I'm like, get my phone. Please, could you actually look that I put in Bath? Um, you know, I, I do it not because I don't know the way, I do it because otherwise I get sleepy on the motorway and I want to kind of know where I'm going. Actually, what had happened was they'd shut the M4 and I had to go and then back onto the M4. Yeah, but anyway, we got there. In the end, if you don't take the right route, you might not get to the right destination. You might hit a bridge along the way uh, if you're a lorry or get squashed in between a house or whatever it might be if you follow uh, the sat-nav because they don't always take you in the right direction. Um, and what we're thinking about tonight is do all roads lead to God? All roads lead to God. Well, not according to Chris Rea. He says this, and I'm sorry about the small screen by the way, uh, the projector's broken, um, so this is the best that we could do. So I've tried to make the fonts as big as I can. Uh, I hope that's right. Uh, Chris Rea says this, This ain't no upwardly mobile freeway. Oh no, this is, I can't sing it. This is the road, this is the road to hell. According to Chris Rea, not all roads lead to God, because some of them lead to hell. Um, so um, some of them lead to some pretty bad places. But the reality is that we are quite uncomfortable with not all the roads leading to God. Because quite frankly, we like to include everybody. We want everybody to be included, and we don't like the idea that someone might not be included. So we want to kind of cuddle up and have everyone included and everything to be all right. Um, here's the thing, though. There is a category problem. You see, when everything is bundled in as the same thing, you know, world religions, world thinking, whatever it might be, whether it's a, whether it's a uh, monotheistic, polytheistic, whether it's, uh, I probably haven't spelt some of them right, who knows, um, 
whether it's uh, not God at all or whether it's a philosophy or whatever it might be or a confused version of Christianity, if we lump the whole lot in together and start from there to ask the question, then right away what we've got is a category problem. You see, if the starting point is that Christianity is on a level playing field with everything else, we've already given the game away. We've already given everything away. G.K. Chesterton says that this is the wrong starting point. That if we do that, then we categorize Christianity as the same type of thing as an Eastern religion or a philosophy or paganism or even atheism. And Christianity is not the same kind of thing. It's entirely different. In fact, the Bible is an entirely different kind of book. It starts like this, in the beginning. And we're going to cover a very low-weight little bit of Hebrew. It's not my strength, okay? I am the person, just so you know... In order, you, in order to do this job, you have to have passed New Testament Greek. I, there were three groups who, who had the test. Jeff is nodding. Uh, there, were, there were three categories of people who had the test when you went for the exam. Group one was you had to translate the passage and you didn't know what the passage was going to be other than it was in the New Testament. Um, group two were told which book of the Bible it was in. And group three were given a copy of it and told to learn it in English um, and in Greek. Um, I was in the third category. So, let's try and struggle with some big Hebrew words, shall we? Well, one of them, at least. In the beginning, God. This is a, this is a huge statement. The Hebrew word here is el-choem, okay? That's the best I can do. Was that right? Who's going to say it better? They'll do, okay? It, it's the general name for God. It's like God, any sort of God. It could be God with a small g, except that the g is always about context. So this is God, and in this context, what is being said is that all of the other gods don't matter. The gods of the sun and the moon, and the water, and the land, the gods that look like animals, any of those gods, they don't matter because this God, who we don't yet know his name, this God, he's the one that made all of them. He is the one to be worshipped, and not all these other gods. So right at the opening of the Bible, there is this this new category. It's not yet been worked through, but there's this new category, which is, there's not just the gods, but there is this God, the one that made everything. Let's, um, let's talk for a moment about the big three, shall we? Because often, um, often the big three get kind of especially lumped in the same boat. And what I mean by the big three is the Abrahamic faiths, okay? 
Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So um, let me try and explain how this goes, and this is a work in progress for me. Um, the starting point for all of them is, is Judaism. It's that first bit of the Bible, okay? That's where all of the roots for all of them come. But Christianity is not a parallel approach to what happens in the Old Testament. It's not like a, you can have this track and this track. What Christianity does with the coming of Jesus Christ is he completes the Old Testament. He's the one that fulfills everything that was promised in the Old Testament. He's the one that was talked about. He's the one at the beginning and he's the one at the end. So do you know what? If, you know, it doesn't actually make any sense to go back to Judaism. It doesn't make any sense to go there because it's like you can have that if you want. But what you have to do is you have to return to being under the law when you could have grace. And grace is amazing. But what about the, the Islamic faith? Well, this is where we, we need to quote a little bit of the Quran in order to try and make it make sense. You see, as I understand it, you can think of Islam in the same category as Judaism and Christianity. But I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake because I think it's an entirely different thing altogether. It may pull out and claim that its starting point is in the same roots of the Abrahamic faith. But actually, it's an entirely different thing altogether. In fact, I would go as far as to say it's pulling in entirely a different direction. And that the dotted lines, which you cannot see on this screen, between Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are perilously thin. They don't connect. Let me try and explain. And let me explain my quoting uh, three verses from uh, uh, three surahs from the Quran. Uh, the first one is this. It says that Allah begets no son and has no partner in his dominion. You see, it's quite difficult to hold the Christian faith alongside Islam when the Christian faith is saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he is God, fully human and fully God, when the Quran is really clear. God didn't have a son, and he has no partners in his dominion. Whereas, actually, what we believe is entirely different from that. What about Jesus' death and resurrection? Well, the Quran has some things to say about that as well. It says this, that they neither killed him nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. In other words, it just looked like this person, Jesus, was on a cross. It just looked like he died, but he wasn't on a cross and he didn't die. Now, you see, it's quite difficult to hold 
the Christian faith and the Quran together, the Bible and the Quran together, if actually they're saying completely different things about Jesus. You see, if you rip out Jesus dying on a cross, and if you rip out Jesus being raised to life, well, we don't have a Christian faith at all. So it doesn't make any sense for us to stand together and say, we all worship the same God, everything's going to be fine, great, let's all just pull together. We need to be kind and loving and generous, yes. But we need to use the name of Jesus Christ and not be afraid to do so. And not be afraid to say that he is God and that he died on a cross and was raised to life. Now here's where it gets really interesting because... This last one, I'm going to need to explain a little bit. Um, uh, It it says this, Will, uh, Allah will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, did you say to the people, take me and my mother as deities besides Allah? And he will say, uh, exalted are you, it was uh, not for me to say that to which I have no right. What's happening here? What's happening is that... uh, When Islam was shaped, it was shaped in a particular context. And the context was not a healthy version of the Christian faith. It was not a clear understanding of what it was to be a Christian. In fact, the idea of the Trinity as it's picked up in the Quran is that the Quran's version of the Christian Trinity is Father... Son and Mary. Does that ring any bells? (laughs) Yeah? Very strongly Catholic. Okay? But a really warped version of the Catholic faith. Father, Son, and Mary as the Trinity. When actually, you know, it's really clear that that is not the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how can we hold these two things together and say that they are in the same category, that they both lead us to God, when actually they're playing and competing in different directions? They're not the same thing. Let's let's go back to here, back to the beginning, because this is the start of a revelation of who God is is. It's a revelation of who God is, and it sets aside everything else. It sets aside all um, worship of many gods, all other philosophies, everything that does away with God, everything that warps God, all versions of paganism get taken away as God is revealed. And it starts with this, in the beginning God. He's the one over all of the other gods of the moon, of the sun, of the water, of the land. And as he shows himself to people, this progressive revelation through scripture. In Genesis chapter 17, it says, El Shaddai, God Almighty. God Almighty. We talk about 
God Almighty, don't we? And unfortunately, with most of our translations, you need to either have an concordance, that's a kind of book that helps to explain what's going on in the Bible, or you need to have really good footnotes for most of these things. So God shows himself firstly as the God who is above all the other gods, then God Almighty. Then there's this really interesting verse. This is kind of in the middle of Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. And from this one, we'll kind of explain some others and bounce around a little bit. I hope that's okay. Um, Exodus chapter 18, verse 11 says this. Now, I know that the Lord, uh, and I've added Yahweh, but that's what the Lord means. We'll come to that in a moment. Is greater than all the other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. This is a great summary verse of a whole bunch that have gone gone before and a whole bunch that come afterwards. Um, What's going on here? Firstly, if you're ever reading your, your own English copy of the Bible, okay, the word Lord appears in two different ways, okay? Where it's got Lord and it's written capital L and then lowercase o-r-d, that just means Lord as in my Lord Master, you are my boss, you are, you are the one who I serve, yeah? It's like a term of respect, of authority that a servant would use towards their master. It comes with great respect. But where it's got Lord, L-O-R-D, in capital letters, that means something different. What it means is Yahweh going back to Exodus chapter 3. This is God who has named himself. What he said is, in this conversation with Moses, is I am who I am, which sounds like in the Hebrew, Yahweh. But the Yahweh, this is where it gets a bit complicated, okay? The Yahweh bit, in the Hebrew, they don't have any vowels. Like, I mean, it's just like economy of writing, I think, you know? Just like, let's keep everything short, and then you can read it, and you can fill in the vowels for yourself. So Yahweh is not, uh, it hasn't got the, uh, the A and the E in it. It's just Y-H, this is really difficult as a dyslexic, Y-H-W-H, okay? Just four letters. And that then gets interpreted as Lord in capital letters. Yahweh, this is the name that he's given himself for us to call him. When he says, I am That sounds like, in the Hebrew, Yahweh, but it's him calling it of himself. And the Yahweh bit is for us to call him. But then the the Jewish people get themselves into a pickle because also his name, they're not allowed to say it in Exodus chapter 20. So they then, uh, they then never say it out loud. Uh, and then they substitute Yahweh for the word Lord, which is Adonai. And if you've ever come, who, who of you were around in the 80s and came across Jehovah? Super popular. Jehovah is the squishing of Adonai with the vowels and Yahweh with the consonants. And what you then get is Jehovah. Um, But the thing with Lord and Jehovah is that they are titles. 
They're not personal. They're like what happens to me sometimes at a funeral. You shake people's hands on the door, okay, and they go, oh, thank you, Father. No, they don't actually do it in an Irish accent. But, you know, they come out the door and it's, thank you, Father. Thank you, Vicar. Um, you know, they, they, don't, they haven't got a clue who I am, that I'm Mark. It's just, thank you, Vicar. And, and talking to God as Jehovah or talking to God as Lord as in master is kind of like using his title rather than his personal name, Yahweh. If you want to go on this amazing journey with exploring that, can I recommend a wonderful book? And um, either to read or to listen to. It's a wonderful book to listen to. I've, I've listened to it and I've now bought it and I'm rereading it because it's so good. And it's um, John Mark Comer, God Has a Name. And what, it, what he talks about is, is how God reveals himself over time. How his name is personal. How we're to call him by his name. And I really encourage you to read it. Let's um, take a slight sidetrack and talk about gods and demons before we talk about Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, there's God with... Who's who's listened to... uh, No, forget that. Uh, There's God with a big G, which is always God, the one whom we're worshipping. And then there's God with a small G. This is so horrible for a dyslexic, but I'm really trying. Um, In the Old Testament, there are other gods but they're always small g. And these other gods have supernatural power and some authority. In the New Testament, it's not a direct translation, but these are often referred to as demons, spiritual beings who have some spiritual authority. Gods and demons. You, the, you see, the reality of a world that is opposed to the living God, to Yahweh, is real. And we can get ourselves tied up with all sorts of other gods and demons. And what we need to do is look to Jesus, the living God. This is Jesus who says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus who says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is Jesus who when they challenge him and they say, but only God can forgive sins. He says in Mark chapter 2, well to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. I'll heal this person in front of me. Get up and walk. And that's what the man does. He has the authority to heal. He has the authority to forgive. This is Jesus, as Colossians puts it, in whom the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This wonder, this mystery that he's fully God and fully human. 
someone said this, that what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or for restoration. You see, I think the phrase that all roads lead to God is almost true. I think a better phrase might be this, that all roads lead to a God. And why go for a God when that one might want to enslave you? Why go for a God when that one might want to rob you? Why go for a God, as Jesus puts it, when that one might come to steal and kill and destroy? When Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, he says, I am the way, I am the truth. He says that I and the Father are one. He says, when you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He says that I am the gate. That the, if you want to get into the safety of the sheep pen, you've got to come in through me. This is Jesus who at the end of, Matthew, at the end of Matthew's gospel is worshipped. Who at the end of John's gospel, Thomas says to him, my Lord, um, lowercase, and my God. And Jesus confirms that he's right in calling him God. I wonder, I wonder what you're spending your life worshipping. I wonder whether you've allowed the gospel to become just a little bit watered down so that you can be nice and include everyone. And we long to do that, don't we? But you know, God has got a plan for including everyone, but he does give people choice. He's paid the price for everyone. But people have freedom to choose. I wonder if you've let go of that just a little bit and tonight you just need to kind of come and cling on to that again and say, yes, Lord, I, I surrender to your gospel even though, even though sometimes I might find it uncomfortable. But I surrender to you, Jesus, again. Or maybe as I've been talking, actually, you're aware that there are other things, whether they are gods who have spiritual authority or whether they are gods because anything can be a god even if it's stuff or image or your house wherever anything else has become a god wherever anything else has become something that you worship I encourage you this evening to lay it down.